Welcome to the podcast of Amago Day Community, where we are convicted to help bring the whole gospel to the whole person, to the whole world. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures, seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. Man, I love that story that Ben tells there because I don't know if it's a good story or not till the end, you know? Like, um, there's a guy who needs money. That can't be good. And uh, we can give him some. Well, that's good. And uh, his dad died. Well, that's not good. Uh, but there's a bustle game there in time for the funeral. That's great. But then there's a snowstorm. That's bad. You know, I mean, I just don't know uh, where that's going to go till the end, you know? And so um, sometimes that's the way life is for us, you know? Uh, we're having a day, and if we just have a day, we don't know if we're having a bad day or a good day till that day's over, you know what I mean? And usually, we don't know if we're having a good life with just one day, you know, because uh, the next day could completely reverse that story, and a number of good days could completely reverse a bad story like you just heard. Uh, even the guy who, who talked, uh, who, who Sean, or was it Jeff? Jeff's the guy who works at Transitions, right? That... that um, he went through a tough time and then was able to bless someone else. So, I mean, man, that is a good story. And as we look at the turn that Jesus made to the cross, if all he does is die on a cross, I don't think it's a good story, you know? I mean, there's some good stuff coming on Easter. You know, he's going to raise from the dead, and that makes it a good story. And today, as we start looking at Jesus moving towards the cross, uh, we're going to look at John chapter 11. So if you have a Bible and want to turn there, I'm going to kind of walk through the story of this. There's a story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And if you're in that story, if you're, uh, Lazarus, if you're Lazarus or you're one of his sisters, Mary or Martha, you don't know if it's a good story or a bad story. You're one of his disciples. You don't know if you're in a good story or a bad story because of all the twists and turns it takes. So, actually, as chapter 10 of John kind of comes to a close, um, there's an opposition growing against Jesus, and so uh, they kind of scat out of Jerusalem to avoid uh, being killed, and uh, Lazarus gets sick. So his two sisters send a notice to Jesus through a messenger that says, hey, this guy that you love, you're kind of like trying to recall all the good. Uh, he's sick. And the implication is you should drop everything and come running to rescue him because he could be on his deathbed. And in the midst of that, Jesus takes an extra couple days. That doesn't sound good. I mean, it doesn't sound urgent. It doesn't even sound like he cares. Yet in those first three verses, Three different times, or four verses, it's three different times that Jesus says, is told to us by John, he loves Lazarus. He loves all three of them, and then says, the one you love is sick, and then a little bit later he says to his disciples, uh, we've got to go to Jerusalem, our friend, and uh, he describes him with the word, you know, brotherly love. Our, the one that we have brotherly love towards is sick. So, I mean, Jesus' delay has nothing to do with the idea that he loves him less. In fact, what Jesus says to his disciples is, this is not going to end in death. 
It's going to end in the glory of God. And for your sake, I'm glad I'm not there because he's fallen asleep. And they go, well, if he's asleep, he'll get better. And he goes, no, I mean he's dead. And so they make their way towards Bethany, and Bethany is kind of like a suburb of Jerusalem. It's not too far. It'd be about the same distance as from here to Grant High School. And so um, uh, remember, Jesus is being persecuted by Jerusalem, uh, by the leaders uh, in Jerusalem. So, I mean, let's just think if the Pope was going to give a, um, he was going to do an assembly uh, at Grant High School, it probably would not go unnoticed by Portland. And for Jesus to show up in Bethany is probably not going to go unnoticed by the leaders of Jerusalem. So in essence, he's risking his life to go comfort uh, the two sisters of the one he already knows is dead. But he's got more in mind than that. He's just not tipping his hand yet. So as he, he is on his way, Martha hears that he's near Bethany. She runs out to meet him and... She has all this emotion coming just full throttle towards her mouth. And as she's trying to figure out how to say, I mean, she is really committed to propriety. Uh, One time when she's entertaining Jesus, she's upset that her sister isn't helping prepare the meal. You know, a a little bit later in this story, Jesus says, move the stone like I'm going to raise your brother from the dead. And she's concerned, oh, don't do that. He smells bad. You know, like she's almost going to miss the miracle because she wants to be a good housekeeping sister. And so uh, in the midst of all that, we've got this idea that when she runs up to him, rather than a proper greeting, she just says, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I mean, it just comes out of brokenness and pain and the sorrow and and unfortunately an expectation that she had that Jesus didn't meet. Her expectation was the message gets sent, he drops everything, he comes, Lazarus is rescued. It's not what happens. Let's just kind of put it on pause for a minute because I do that to God all the time. I have a set of expectations that if God is all-powerful, this is what he does. If God's all-loving, this is what he does. If God's all-knowing, this is what he does. And because he's not doing my list, one of those things must not be true about him. And he's saying, wrong list. Those are true about me, and you're going to miss me with your list. (laughs) And Martha is on the verge of missing Jesus because of her list. Okay, so as she goes through this idea, if you'd just been here, and Jesus looks at her, and he says, Martha, your, your brother's going to rise again. And she says, yeah, yeah, I, I know. There's this doctrine called the resurrection. It happens on the last, last day. I know that he's going to raise on the last day. I, I, I've got it. And he goes, do you understand I'm the resurrection? I'm the life? Whoever believes in me, even if they were to die, yet they're going to live? And, I mean, the simple answer for her would have been no. (laughs) But her answer came back, I want credit for what I got. So, yes, I believe you're the son of God, and I believe you've come to earth uh, to do God's mission. And Jesus kind of is in the middle of talking to her when she goes, oh, i got to go tell my sister you're here. Runs and gets Mary, says the master's talking about you or calling for you. Uh, Mary gets up, runs out to him, and same thing. 
if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus is trying to remind both girls, um, this is going to end up for God's glory. What I need you to do is dial in in belief rather than in disappointment. And so he goes, where have you laid him? And they go, well, he's been in the tomb for four days already. So as he's coming towards the tomb, there's already been mourners that have come to, come to comfort and console the, the sisters from Jerusalem. And the girls are crying And John is narrating, saying, when Jesus saw them weeping, he was deeply troubled. And in the midst of his deep trouble, it says that he was bothered. And in the midst of being bothered, he cried. Jesus wept. And... um, Sometimes I can get to the place where I think because God knows the next part that's good to the story, that that's what kind of makes the bad part of the story not take the dip. But that's not true. In the dip, when the story's painful, God's in the pain. Here's two sisters crying, and Jesus cries. Here's two sisters that are deeply troubled, and John describes Jesus' soul as deeply troubled. It isn't like, I got this covered. It's like, I hate the pain that's the consequence of thousands of years prior when people rebelled against God and were still living in the bombed-out city called Earth, waiting for it to be restored till its completion. And it angers me. And in the midst of that anger, it saddens me. And an appropriate response is weep. Not somehow pretend it didn't happen. Not somehow medicate with a different scenario that's coming. But be able to be real in the moment. And Jesus joined them in the real pain of the moment. And as he is there, he says, um, okay, remove the stone. And as I said, Martha goes, no, don't remove the stone. He, he smells. And, he, and Jesus says, didn't I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God and the disciples roll away the stone and Jesus commands Lazarus come forth and he comes out of the tomb, raised from the dead. And John goes on to describe that there were basically two Uh, camps of response. One camp were people who believed and the other camp scurried back to Jerusalem to plot how they might kill him and even kill Lazarus so there isn't any kind of evidence that that miracle really took place. So that's basically the story. And as we're listening or reading the story, is that a good story? Or is that a bad story? I mean, it's bad. Lazarus is, is sick and he's going to die. It's good. Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. It's bad. Martha and Mary don't know that and they're in pain. Well, it's good. Jesus empathized with them. But it's bad because that empathy doesn't look like it's going to turn into a miracle. He already missed the moment. And then he does the miracle. When was that a good story? When was that a bad story? Was there a time when it was just bad? Or was it always good? Or, you know, do do you see how our limited perspective 
when we assess good and bad, we don't have a big enough grid to be able to go good or a big enough grid to go bad. We actually have to trust someone with a large enough grid to say, I'm going to walk with you through this painful time because I'm committed to your good. And I am going to walk with you through it. So I want to look at three words that sometimes get hijacked in daily conversation. And I want to kind of reel them back into how to use them in our own walk in this Lenten season. The first one is life. For some reason, uh, I mean, life is a huge word in the uh, book of John. At at the beginning of John, uh, John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life is the light of men. I mean, John starts his gospel by saying, Jesus is life. Jesus is going to say several times, I'm the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Here he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. To to Jesus and to the message of John, life is a huge thing. And in our day-to-day micro-world, we define life as breathing. (laughs) We define life as a heartbeat. And so Lazarus quit breathing, and he was dead. And when Jesus gets there and Martha and Mary say, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. He goes, don't you know I'm the resurrection and the life? Even when someone believes in me, even if they die, yet they live. And Jesus is saying, your view of life is too small. It's just simply described by a biological function. I want to describe life in terms of identity, in terms of eternity, in terms of a connection. Life means being connected to God. And that's why Jesus is saying to her, I'm the resurrection and life. Do you believe that, Martha? And she says, well, I believe you're the son of God. I mean, she goes with some truth. And then he goes, your brother will rise. Do you believe that? Well, yeah, I believe in a resurrection. She keeps going to truth statements, and he keeps saying, life has everything to do with relationship. So um, this is a theology book. It's actually a a book about the doctrine of the church. And um, this, this book probably contains more about the church than any of us would care to know. Okay, Uh, and so I don't really commit this to memory. I just figure if I want to know something about the church, I can look at this book. Okay, so the guy who wrote this book was in town. He got in town um, Friday and he left this morning. And um, he uh, texted me a couple weeks ago. He said, hey, I'm going to be in town. Is there any chance we could get together? So yesterday afternoon, um, uh, we grabbed a couple hours together. Okay, Uh, if he had said, do you want to get together and read my book? I would have said, I'm busy. I'm busy doing anything, but I'm busy, too busy to get together and read your book, you know? The minute he said, do you want to get together? I went, yeah. Well, Jesus isn't interested in Martha acquiring theology about the resurrection. He isn't interested in her somehow thinking that she's a better Christian or a more mature person of God simply because she's putting information into herself. 
That's what this is. It's stock full of information about the church, but it's not alive. And, and, you know, you would be odd if you had a great relationship with this book. So um, as we look at the idea of Jesus, he's saying, I don't really want you to be my library. (laughs) I want you to be my friends. I'm inviting you to life, to connection with me. That, that even if you were to die, you would still be connected to me because it's eternal life. It's a relationship. So um, we start thinking about, okay, so what makes a good life? And a good life has everything to do with having some kind of connection to God that brings you a hope that you have no no right to have. (laughs) Okay? So um, last year, not this last fall, but a year ago fall, I um, felt like I just had zero energy. And so I went to a doctor. I said, hey, I don't have any energy. And I expected him to say, well, you're old and fat. You're not going to have any. Okay? Uh, But he kind of looked at me, and they kind of did some tests, and they said, your heart's out out of rhythm. And so um, we're just going to put you on some meds, and that should clear it up. And I'm going, well, great. So I started taking some meds, and it didn't clear it up. And now the problem is I have to take these medications every morning, and they make me tired. And I went to the doctor because I was tired, you know. This is going bad. It's not going good. This is not a good story. This is a bad story. And so as I am going to the doctor, I'm taking these, I'm going, this, this is not what I had in mind. So he goes, okay, we'll try another procedure, but we better put you on a blood thinner because um, we don't want you to have a blood clot and get a stroke. So he put me on a blood thinner. I got more tired. So I'm really hating this story. And so as we kind of get towards March, he goes, um, we're going to just kind of, you know, put the paddles on you and see if we can't jolt you back into uh, right rhythm. I'm going, great, you know. My wife is an ICU nurse. She's going, you know. So uh, as we kind of get into the hospital and they put me out and they do the paddles, you know, I wish she would have you know, like had the camera and taped it or, you know, videoed it because uh, she said I just flew off the table. That would have just been awesome to see. But uh, <laughs> uh, I get done and and I feel great. My heart's back in regular rhythm. And I'm going, this is great. And it lasted five days. And on day six, I was back. I'm going, are you kidding me? You know, because that costs more than the car I've always wanted. Okay, so as we kind of uh, now are trying to do more things, they're going, oh, we're going to have to do a surgical procedure. So they do this surgical procedure. And uh, it went okay. And then they go, uh, you're good. So I put my clothes on and get ready to go. And when I got up off the table, off the bed, every place that they had uh, punctured me uh, and made an incision started bleeding because I was still on blood thinners, you know. And my wife just going, get back on the bed, you know, just quit bleeding. You know, I'm going, yeah, okay, I'll just command that to happen, you know. So uh, uh, (laughs) they finally got me to quit bleeding and and it turned out I'm, I'm okay, Okay, now when was that a good story? You know, <laughs> there's a lot of bad story coming up to a good story in that, okay? Um, most of us don't want any bad in our story. 
In fact, we've got the list that says, uh, I want to be attractive, I want to be intelligent, I'd like to meet someone else who's like that. Uh, We'd like to have some more of those kinds of people. And then we'd like to be uh, affluent, and then we can bless somebody. So do that, we'll just call you God, okay? (laughs) And when he doesn't do that, we struggle for calling him God. Because it doesn't feel like he loved us. Even if we feel connected, that not being convinced he loves us almost invites us to pull the plug on the connection, you know? And that's the second part here, is that Jesus is trying to convince, and John is lacing it throughout the story, I loved Lazarus. I never delayed out of lack of love. I didn't treat anyone in an unloving way. I loved, I loved, I loved But Martha and Mary went, no, you didn't, to begin with, because the loving Jesus we know would have been here before he died. You didn't meet our expectations. It's so hard for us to believe you love us. Do you have those things in your life that make it hard to believe that those things are in your life and God loves you? Yeah. And it doesn't phase God. He still invites us to the table. He still invites us to the relationship. He's still saying, let's walk together. I don't want you to know stuff. I want you to know me. I don't want you healthy if it means that you won't know me. Your health is not as important to me, Bill, as you're walking with me. In that whole story, during that eight or nine months where I was just kind of in this physical spiral going down, I finally came to a place where I said to God, I would be better off dead. Let's just call it good. I've lived a great life. Go for it. And when I got up and started bleeding, I go, oh my gosh, I'm going to die, and got back on the table. And I realized I don't want to (laughs) die. None of us do. There are things we would rather die than experience, but we really want an experience that's life. And Jesus is saying, that's me. And there's a lot of knockoffs, but they're not going to give you the same life that I do. I'm the life and the resurrection. Will you believe? And will we experience love together? When you listen to these verses, when the sister sent word to Jesus, the Lord, the, the, word, the message said, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness is not to end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two more days. It just doesn't feel like love. But Jesus had an agenda called God's glory. And he's saying, for you to get that is for your greater good. And I'm committed to your good even when you're committed to your pleasure. And I'm willing to watch your pleasure crash for your good. Because I love you more than you love me. 
you love your pleasure more than you love me. And I'm going to pursue you, pleasure or not. That's, that's the commitment. That's the picture he paints. That's the invitation he's giving us. So the story kind of goes from a group of people that are, are struggling for does he love us to then he raises Lazarus from the dead and it'd be so easy to connect the dots and somehow say, that's what we're talking about. You did that, yes, you're God. And he is delaying this so that they're willing to sign on, I love you, without knowing how the story goes. And that's just so not American. Everything we do is based on the story we think it's going to tell. You know, we take a job because they think it's going to be a good story. I mean, I'm sure most of you have been to a, a wedding where there are some traditional vows, better or worse, richer or poor, in sickness and in health. And I have yet to meet the person that's going, counting on sickness. Hey, hoping for that worse, you know. Uh, maybe even just a little poorer. Uh, that, that's what we're looking for because that's going to make us better. Everybody's dialed on to the upswing of that. We're going to be richer. We're going to be better, you know. Uh, we're going to be healthier. And Jesus is saying, without the end of the story, will you love me? Because if you love the end of the story, that's what you're loving. That's what you're pursuing. That's what's going to make your life whole. And that's what you think life is, is that it's a good life because of the end of the story. And Jesus is saying, I'm the life, so the only thing that can make life good is me. So have me in that valley and on the peak. Have me, because I'm the one that makes the story good. <laughs> not your feelings, not your pleasure. Because there's going to be a downturn, and then you're going to want more feelings. Rather than up here you experience me, and down here you experience me, and you know life, even if you were to die. Even if the story doesn't change positive. Even if in your life the story reads bad, life in Christ says good. Now, I'm not saying it, it dulls the pain. Jesus cried with them in their pain, calling them to see, I'm the life, and I love you, and I want you to love me. And that third point is just basically, do you believe me? Because it's like the gateway to the whole thing. If we don't believe him, we won't experience life. And if we don't experience that life, we won't know that he loved us first to respond in love to him. So he's saying, believe in me. Believe me. Trust me. And our problem with the word is that we use the word in a way that could almost be like a point in time. Do you believe in Christ? Yes, I believed in Christ when I was 12. Rather than it being a present tense, are you believing in Christ? Because that's the invitation. Be believing, not believe at some point in time. It kind of be like a couple that get married, they exchange vows of love, and then 40 years later, the wife says, I don't think you love me. And the husband says, you know, 
40 years ago at that altar, I told you I loved you. I'll let you know if it changes. Okay, that wouldn't be a great communication style. But somehow we think of that as I believed in God and 40 years later when I die, I want to pick that up because that's, that was my ticket that I punched. And Jesus is saying, I want you to believe in me all these days. Be believing. Not believe and then believe some other time in the future. Be believing in me right now. So hopefully you can get the idea that belief is simply agreeing. Agreeing with God. When you believe in Jesus, you're agreeing that he is who he says he is. He is the life. He is the resurrection. He's the meaning giver. So uh, there are some people in the service today that thought you were coming to a 10 o'clock service. Uh, there might even be some who were late for the 8.30, I don't know, or 8.45. But um, it's because last night there were some people who, for one reason or another, did not believe that today time would change. <laughs> and uh, nothing terrible happened to you if you are one of those people. Your car didn't wreck, you know, uh, your cat didn't die. Nothing terrible happened, but you missed something that happened this morning, an appointment, a service. The people that thought they were going to come to the service today at noon and they haven't uh, set their clock back, they'll be here in an hour. They missed it. And if they had agreed with all of us that time was going to change today, they would have had the appointment. And when we don't agree with God about how he says things are, we miss our daily appointments with him. And I'm not just talking about some time at the beginning of the day. I mean, throughout the day, we miss life because we're not believing. So we don't see life as he said it is. We don't see him as he said he was. And we just go around missing appointments because we don't believe. And Jesus is saying, believe in me. Experience life connected to me because I love you. And I want you to love me. I think that's the picture that was going on in this story. And that's a good story. And, and I want you to know that today, wherever your life is, to frame it as bad is probably to miss. It's to not be believing what God said about you and about him. But if you will believe in him, whether valley or peak, you're in a good story. <laughs> and he invites you into his story. So, so today, I, I want to tell you about two people and their journey. And those two people are pastors on our staff. One is Josh Butler, and the other is Ava Pena. And they both have daughters that in the last uh, few weeks have been struggling physically. And the doctors are scrambling to try and figure out what's up. And you can imagine the anxiety of seeing your daughter um, just in panic and the doctors not knowing what to do and you not knowing whether or not to just tell the doctor to do something or 
to be waiting and saying, God, if you would just show up right now, and when he doesn't seem to be showing up right now, the invitation isn't to take him off the checklist and say, well, the God I want would show up right now, and if you don't show up right now, then you're not the God I want. But it's to say, then God make me strong enough to endure this till you show up. Then God, let me know how to live in this story, believing in you, living with you, loving you. So um, when Jesus is getting ready to ask his disciples to move that stone and it command Lazarus to come out, he prays. And he says, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you hear my prayers. And I know that you always hear my prayers, but I'm praying this prayer, and the implication is out loud, so that those who hear might believe. And then he made the command, and Lazarus came forth, and many believed. So I've told you this um, scenario about Josh and Ava's daughters, because we're going to pray together. And it's my hope that our faith together will grow because we watch God do his story, the valleys and the peaks, and we're going to pray for a peak. And then I'm just going to kind of move from there to, and just invite you to move from there into coming to the table. Some of you are probably stuck. The life you're experiencing doesn't feel like you're loved. And so you're having a hard time believing in the God who, as he's described himself to be. And, and it's okay to come to this table and say, God, I'm having a hard time believing. Help my unbelief. Grace me. He loves that prayer. For others of you who are saying, I'm, I'm more stuck than that. I want to invite you to go to the doors and there will be people there to pray with you or pray for you. And you can just pour your heart out to God or let somebody else share that prayer with you. So um, I'm going to pray for uh, Josh and Ava's families and for you. And then we'll go ahead and move into responding in in this way through um, the table and in worship uh, song, okay? Heavenly Father, we join together as your people and we pray for uh, two of our shepherds and their families. Pray for Josh and his family that today you give him a peace, you give his wife a peace, you give his daughter peace in the midst of not knowing, in the midst of they're not being the good part yet, just the hard part. I pray that they might know you as good for Ava and her family. I pray for them. They might know your peace. And it would pass their lack of understanding because they trust you and they love you and they're connected to you. So we do pray healing for these two little girls that our faith 
might increase. And in the meantime, may our love increase for you as we trust you. I pray that today at this table, each person might know that they're not judged, they're welcomed. I pray that people would come to the door and and hear words either spoken by themselves or spoken over them of hope. Because you are a good God in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you're interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at www.amargodaycommunity.com. Thanks a lot for listening.